Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to adulting.tv. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here, as usual, with Miranda Marquit. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing okay. Ready to learn about travel or talk about travel anyway. Be fine. Yeah. And our guest today to talk about traveling on and with a budget is Whitney Hansen from the Money Nerds podcast. How are you, Whitney? Hey, guys. I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. You are just about ready to go on a trip to Europe. So tell us about how you prepared for that trip. I'm so ready for it. So I am leaving tomorrow to go to Europe on a family vacation. So I guess the only thing I'm not prepared for is dealing with my family for a solid week. (laughs) So that's the uh, interesting part that will be fun and hopefully not make me want to pull my hair out. But yeah, packing's easy. I think the more you travel, the more you realize you don't need a lot of crap. So (laughs) most of my stuff is completely set aside now. So I'm just like ready to go. I'm chilling with my Diet Coke and having a good time. I love that you talk about the like packing and everything because, you know, I like to try and, and, you know, have as much already to go as possible. Like I have a backpack that I use as like my carry on and pretty much it's like got the essentials usually, you know, there's a little thing with a toothbrush and a little bit of toothpaste, just like all that extra stuff that you might need. And then when I'm actually getting ready to go someplace, like it's like, if it does not fit in this one bag that I have, like if it does not fit in this one, like suitcase piece of luggage I have, it does not need to come. <laughs> like, like I am not, I, you know, I've got my backpack, I got my roller thing and that's it. <laughs> and it's bigger than a carry on because, you know, I, if I'm going to be gone for like a month or more, I like to have just a little bit more with me, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the idea that you need, like, <laughs> you need to be dragging like multiple suitcases with you just makes things unmanageable. Totally. And it's expensive too, right? Because then you got to pay for fees to probably check that baggage and not worth it. Not to me, at least. (laughs) So, I mean, now you brought up the fees, (laughs) but, but, but how do you do that then? So how do you start traveling for a trip like the one that you're getting ready to go on tomorrow? Yeah. So this one was a little different than my normal trips because it's with my family who's never been abroad. We are very much over preparing for this trip. So it it was booked well in advance. But in general, when it's just my fiance and I, when we're traveling, we're looking at maybe two to four weeks in advance. So we're not really planning that far out like most people would think. And what we do is we have a very different model. So we constantly have a little savings account. So I do automate my savings. I'm a personal finance gal. So that's totally something I I believe in. Make it easy, have it sit in a savings account. And then when you're ready to go and you find a great deal, you've got that cash. So you can immediately book that flight. And then from there, I I find that like hotels, that kind of stuff's pretty easy to book, but you've got to have a little bit of cash set aside first. And yeah, two to two to four weeks is kind of our general rule of thumb. More for me because I like to spontaneously travel. It drives my nice. fiance crazy. <laughs> so I like that. I, I actually have a travel fund as well. Like so every month, like a set amount of money is automatically like taken from my 
my checking account and put into I, and this is not for everybody. This is not for the faint of heart, my friends, <laughs> but I actually have it in my Betterment account and I have a Betterment account set up for it. It is a 70 uh, 77, 33 split. So 77% oh, nice. in stocks, 33% in bonds. So pretty and conservative. I, yeah. It's not as aggressive as my retirement savings, um, my IRA, but yeah. So every month, just like clockwork, a set amount just goes into that travel fund and then it makes it easy. So when we went to Europe, like my son and I, when we did our cruise up the Danube this past summer, pay for it with a credit card so I can get the points and then go ahead and pay it off by getting into that travel fund. But you don't use the travel hacking. You don't use the credit card travel hacking. So how do you do it without that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Cause you are an anomaly. I know. I know. And honestly, like I've ran the numbers. I want the credit card hacking to work for me, but I, I just don't spend enough for it to really be worth it. So when I look at the, the pros and cons every time I'm like, God, I, it's not worth the hassle. Usually, if you're not a credit card hacking kind of person, then you're you're cash flowing it, which means that if you're cash flowing it and you don't have credit card points to rely on, you've got to find really dang good deals. So what I do is I use two different resources. I use google.com slash flights. That's probably one of my go-to resources because you can search for all kinds of crazy stuff. So I live in Boise, Idaho. And one of the things that people don't quite realize is when you live in Boise, for some reason, one of the cheap destinations is Puerto Rico, like notoriously cheap. And so you start to learn for your area what's really cheap. So for Boise, it's not uncommon to find Puerto Rico flights for $275 round trip. Like it's really cheap. So I know if I want to go somewhere tropical, that's probably where I'm going to head. So you start to learn that stuff. But then more than anything, you find out that flights surprisingly go on sale quite a bit. So November and December, I don't know what it is, but that's when most flights to Europe are drastically reduced. So right now you can find some killer deals to Europe. And so if you're going on google.com slash flights, you just enter in where you're going to be flying out of. So Boise, Miranda, you get this, not a great airport. <laughs> hey, it sure beats flying out of Idaho Falls. Yeah, that's Can true. Right <laughs> I was like, I'm like looking, I'm going, wow, wouldn't I, I'm going to have to drive <laughs> to Boise to fly to Puerto Rico. <laughs> you're like, not going to happen. Because fun, fun fact, um, there are no direct flights between Idaho Falls and Boise. In order for me to fly to Boise, I have to fly to Salt Lake, have a three-hour layover, and then go to I can like, drive to Boise. Drive. I know. I drive to Boise faster. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So when you're looking at airports, if you live in a destination like Idaho that just doesn't really have great international airports, then you've got to look at what are the hopper flights that I could potentially take that are going to be cheaper. So for me, it's Salt Lake, Portland, LA is really cheap for us to get to a couple hundred bucks maybe. So you start to see where can I go? What flights are on sale? You enter in the different destinations on Google Flights, and then you can just search Europe. Like you can type in Europe as the destination, and it'll start to show you where in Europe is actually on sale. So that's where I start to just kind of dream and see what, what I could afford realistically. And then the second resource that I'm a huge, huge fan of is Scotch Cheap Flights. So Scott is like my man. What he does is he sits in a Starbucks and just searches for cheap flights literally all day long. I'm sure he has an algorithm at this point, but that's how he started. And it's when you when he finds really good deals on flights or like mistake airfare, that happens quite a bit too. 
he sends out an email notification and says, yo, from this city to this city, flights are on sale for this much money. So he kind of gives you a heads up. So if you don't have a lot of time to sit there and search Google flights all day long, he'll notify you. So that's where I start because I find that flight and hotel are the most expensive pieces. So if you can get that flight for really cheap, for me, I will never pay more than $500 for a flight. That's just my thing. I, I know I can find them much cheaper. Uh, the flight that we're going on tomorrow was $428 per person to wow. Amsterdam. And that's round trip. So yeah, if you start there, then you can you can find some really, really good deals. But those are the two go-to resources I use for flights specifically. Well, that's amazing because I don't think I've ever paid less than $500 or maybe $400 a, a flight. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that you're planning two to four weeks out and and still finding these these great deals. I'm trying to plan my life way ahead of time. <laughs> the plan is, okay, we've got a plan for this big trip that we're going to take. It's going to be, you know, several months away. I can't even plan that far in advance. So maybe planning two to four weeks in advance is going to work. But I thought, you know, it's going to work out better for my ability to plan ahead in my life. But I thought that you wouldn't be able to find great deals or even get all your stuff together in that short amount of time if you're going to take a major trip. I used to think the same thing too. And that's when I started to see like right now, if you're on Scotch cheap flights, you're going to see all kinds of crazy deals. There were flights again. And of course that's the problem is you always want to buy all the flights. So you have to be really like budget friendly there. But right now, especially you can find two, three weeks out pretty easily beginning of December. Nobody wants to go to Europe because that's, that's their off season. It's still beautiful there. It's a little colder, but you don't have to deal with the tourists as much too. So it's kind of pros and cons there, but for sure, if you're trying to take a spontaneous trip, now would be the time to do that for Europe, especially for Europe. So if you are going to Europe, besides the weather, what are some of the cons? What are the things you have to think about if you want to go in the off season? Yeah, Tony and I did uh, Santorini, Greece, which was like dream vacation, all the really cool cliff houses, white, stark white, and then the, the beautiful Aegean Sea. It's just gorgeous. And we went in the end of March, and that was two weeks away from tourist season. So you wouldn't think it'd be much different, but it was pretty drastic. So because it was two weeks away, they still were in not quite tourist mode. So they were painting all the buildings. They were still doing a lot of city revamping. Not very many restaurants were open. So that was kind of a con because Tony likes to eat. I mean, I like to eat too, for sure. So that was definitely one of the cons. But because it was off season, your hotel costs are a lot cheaper. So we used Airbnb and found a really cool place that normally would have been $400 a night. I would never, <laughs> not, not right now, but we got it for like 170 so it was really significantly undercut because that's just their off season. But a lot of the restaurants aren't open. Yeah. How, so how do you balance the cons versus, uh, you know, the, the ability to save money and, and find some of those deals? Like, isn't the experience, you know, getting a full experience worth some extra money sometimes? Yeah, I mean, totally. It definitely can be. And I've been on that other end, too, where the experience was super worth it for me. So my first trip to I think it was to Maui. Yes, it was. And that was my debt-free trip when I paid off all my student loans. I'm like, I'm going on vacation. So went there and spent about $1,500 per person. And what I realize now is it was a great trip. Don't get me wrong. But I'm willing to forego some of those extra incentives of like, oh, the restaurants might you know, all be open, but it's a lot more expensive because that means 
for one trip, I can actually take like a trip and a half. So it's like, instead I I look at it as how many trips can I take for the same amount? And then that's where I'm Mm. starting to spend my money. So for me, I will forego a lot of that stuff because I want the experience of traveling to all these really cool places while I'm still young and kidless and husbandless, I guess, kind of. So (laughs) that's kind of what I'm looking at. You're like my inverse. (laughs) Because like in about four years I'll be kidless and husbandless. Yeah, and see, like, then you can come travel with me. <laughs> but uh, but I am fortunate that I do get to travel quite a bit now. My son and I get to go on our little adventures. But one thing I, I noticed, just kind of going back a little bit, you do have to have a certain level of flexibility because you're talking about because what you're talking about to get these really great deals is not what Harlan was saying was like planning like six months ahead or a year ahead. What you're doing is saying. I'm flexible. I feel like traveling. Where do I go that's cheap? So you do have to have this flexibility in your lifestyle to a certain extent. Isn't that right? Yeah, definitely so. So a lot of, uh, especially the parents listening in, that's one of the tough things is when you've got kids, the only times that you can realistically travel are spring break, summer vacation, and December. And so that's where it gets really hard because if you're tied to a school calendar, it's tricky. You're, it's, I mean, you can find good deals, but you're not going to find them quite as frequently. For me, it's the two to four week preference because that's just, I like that. I, I, my sense of spontaneity is just, that's what I like. But that doesn't mean that you still can't find really great deals that are six, seven months in advance, a year in advance. You can still do that for sure. So it just depends on what type of lifestyle you have. And I have found tons of really good spring break flights too. So I was just looking at one to Switzerland that I thought was a pretty fun one. It was a little bit on the high end. That one was like 580. So I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. But even then, you can still find some good deals too, even during the the peak seasons. So how do you plan for travel once you're at your destination? Oh, that's where the fun starts, I think. That's where before I actually get to the destination, I am looking on TripAdvisor mostly. So if you're going to Europe, and you're trying to look at Yelp, you're going to have really a lot of disappointment because they don't use Yelp as much as we do here in the States. So TripAdvisor is the go-to. And what I'm looking for on TripAdvisor is how much can I spend for food? Like if I'm going to go to some really great cheap eats, what's roughly, what's the price range? Is there good restaurants in that, in that area? So I'm looking at that. And I'm also looking at what's unique to that area. For the trip that we're going on tomorrow, it's to Amsterdam and to Paris. And Paris has the catacombs, which for me is so cool. I just think that's amazing. So, of course, I'm I'm factoring in. I want to take a tour of the catacombs. Uh, we've got to go see the Eiffel Tower. There are, I can't remember how many flights. I want to say like 20 flights of stairs for $8. Or you can take an elevator for 15 So, I'm definitely paying 15. (laughs) So you can start to factor in like, what is this stuff actually going to cost roughly? And then ultimately I set, I do set a budget. I say, I will not spend more than this much money. And if that means that I can't go to a really nice expensive restaurant a couple of times, cool, that's fine. But you can start to like weigh out the pros and cons of each place. Uh, TripAdvisor, Airbnb, I think is a good one for your hotel. What I've found is you've got to price match Airbnb and Hotels.com because sometimes in Hotels.com, it's actually cheaper than Airbnb. You would think it'd be the opposite, but it's not always the case. So you start to build out a spreadsheet, (laughs) getting really nerdy there, and build out your Google Sheet, break it out day by day, and see overall what does that cost per day, and then what does that do to your total budget too. 
And it's really not too bad. Then you can start to decide what's a for sure you have to go to, which one do you, can you skip out on a little bit more? So it's not too bad. So let's get real nerdy here. As you're making your budget and making this Google Sheet or spreadsheet in whatever software you want to use or pen and paper even, what are the categories and the, the lines that you want to include on your budget? Okay, so one of the ones that most people forget about and you cannot forget about is transportation. So getting to and from. If it's uh, Europe or any of the, the European countries for sure, probably don't rent a car if you're going to go to Rome. You'll, you'll really hate your life if that's the case. Traffic there's nuts. So you've got to factor in Ubers or Lyfts. Uber's pretty popular in Europe too. So that's a good one. Uh, the Metro. So are you going to take any of the metros to get around? Are you going to take a bus? So factoring in transportation, don't skimp on that. That will screw your budget if you don't get that piece right. Food for sure. Any of the museums, most of the the really cool chapels and the churches are free. However, there's like extra features. If you want to go to the upper staircase of a certain church, it it costs a few extra euros. So there's little things that you wouldn't think about that you still need to to factor in there too, because it can add up. So you've got your, your transportation, your food, your hotel. And then on top of that, I don't really budget souvenirs. I just don't care about that. I'm kind of a minimalist myself. So I figure that all of my family, I'm going to force them into minimalism. So (laughs) they don't get any souvenirs either. But those are the bigger categories that I'm looking at on top of any like tours or anything that's uh, unique to that area that I'll factor into. I love love what you say about souvenirs. (laughs) Like my son and I have a tradition. We get a magnet when we go somewhere. And then we stick the magnet on the fridge. That's pretty much it. (laughs) I love it. That's a great way to go. Now, one of the things, I and I don't know if you like take a credit card with you when you travel abroad, but one of the things that I like to do is I like to use a credit card without the transaction fees. And that's a pretty basic tip, right? The You get the credit card without the foreign transaction fees. And it's wonderful. The first time I went abroad was almost 20 years ago. And I was an exchange student in Austria and it was before the Euro. And so, I um, mean, it was also... I had to use traveler's checks <laughs> and oh, like yeah. have traveler's <laughs> yes. checks turned into Austrian shillings. And it was so wonderful to go back almost 20 years later and just swipe my credit card everywhere and not have to, you know, and I did get a little bit of the local currency to do some of the stuff, you know, to buy some of the food or, or you know, some of that kind of thing. And then I did want a little bit, I did save some because I think it's fun. Like I collect money and magnets. Love it. That's but a good yeah. thing to check. Yeah. But yeah, using being able to use a credit card abroad has been such a great thing now because it really does help you get through transactions faster in most most of the mainstream places. Uh, but have you ever been in a place where you really can't use a credit card and you've had to like do the local currency and and how do you make that work? Yeah, local currency is tricky. So everybody's first inclination is you get off the plane, you see all those booths in the airport saying, hey, come get your money here, blah, blah, blah. You can do that, but they charge you a lot. I can't remember the exact fee, but it was it was something crazy. Instead of that, if you do have a debit card, which is what I travel with, I definitely call my bank and say, yo, I'm traveling. Here's the dates. These are the countries I'm going to be in. And so from there, then I will find the nearest ATM if I didn't get currency here in the States. So usually that's the best route to go. But if you can't, then when you get there, find an ATM and then your fee is going to be like 1%. So you're still going to be paying something. It's not a free ride by any means. 
but it's a little bit cheaper than exchanging at the airport. So that's typically how I would travel. My card has been accepted everywhere. So a lot of people think that traveling with the debit card is kind of a pain. And it can be if you go to book hotels because sometimes they'll take out extra fees and they'll, they'll definitely withhold more of your cash. But I haven't found any drastic issues with that. I will say, here's my caveat. I personally do not use credit cards. My fiance does. So he does have a credit card. So if there's any like big purchases, we will try to put it on his card and then I'll immediately pay that off. So that way he's definitely generating some points, but I personally do not use them myself. So that's kind of how we would approach the cash thing. I make him take all the risk, not me. (laughs) (laughs) How do you learn about the customs of uh, the places that you'll be visiting in advance so that you can adapt to whatever people, you know, expect your behavior to be? It's such a good question. I'm the worst person at that. I try so hard to do a little bit of research. There's some great podcasts too. Like right now I'm listening to a podcast on how to speak French. So I'm I'm learning about that and they talk a lot about the the culture and the customs. But honestly, most of it is if you're reading through reviews on TripAdvisor or you're in Reddit forums or anything like that, you'll see kind of what the culture is. So for example, in Italy, If you go to Italy and you go to get a cappuccino and a croissant or a cornetti or whatever you get there, and you stand at the counter, it's cheaper. The minute you sit your butt in a seat, they charge you five euros. It's so weird. And so you learn really quickly when you get your receipt and you're like, wait, what is this? I don't understand what this fee is. And then they tell you, oh, that's the sitting fee. So then pretty soon you're like, oh my gosh, okay. So you start to learn it really quickly. But honestly, I think that's kind of part of the fun is when you go to this new place and you'd have no clue what to do and you start to learn the culture and you can observe and I'm a people watcher too. So it helps. That's pretty much it though. A little bit of reading and definitely immersion. (laughs) But what's one of the uh, craziest travel stories that you have? Something that happened to you while you were away? One of the craziest travel stories for sure was actually we hadn't quite left the airport yet. When Once we get to the country, it, it's all pretty smooth selling. Like you get a little language barriers here and there, but for the most part, it's pretty good. But we were sitting in the airport and it was a really early flight. So my fiance went and grabbed some pancakes from like the McDonald's in our airport. And we're sitting there and he's chowing down on his pancakes, not really paying attention We ended up going to our flight gate and found out that the flight had left early. (laughs) So that was like the most expensive pancakes of our life. (laughs) So (laughs) that was a pretty crappy time. (laughs) So what did you do when that happened? We had to switch our flight. So they were super, very, very good to work with. They were very accommodating and said, okay, here, we can get you on this flight instead. And we did have to pay a change fee. But yeah, that was a pretty crappy time. It's weird. Like the flight actually left early. <laughs> I literally left I'm early. Try, I'm actually trying to wrap my head around that reality. Me too. Me it too. It makes no sense to me. No, I was not thrilled about it. For a while, I boycotted that airline too until finally I'm like, ah, I, I don't pick airlines. I pick cheap ones. So it was tough. <laughs> so you just shop when it comes to flights. You just shop on price. You don't have a favored airline or is there anything else that you might consider? <laughs> you try to avoid certain airlines because they don't have certain services or you just go with the cheapest. I typically go with the cheapest. What I will say is the Ryanairs and some of the really budget friendly airlines, you think you're getting a great deal, but they are they can be really expensive in some ways. So a lot of times the seats are just crappier. It's a lot more cramped. The luggage size, they check that. So usually you see the, here's the luggage size and your suitcase should fit in here. 
but they will like literally shove your suitcase in there to make sure it fits. And if it doesn't, then they make you pay the check fee. Sometimes those budget-friendly airlines aren't quite as good as you would think. So definitely being careful about those. But yeah, I'm just going based on the cheapest flight. That really is it because that's where most of us spend the most money is on the flight. What are some of the other big expenses that you've had? Uh, You talked about transportation and having to plan for that. But what else uh, do you have to consider? I think the tours would be the next big one too. So aside from hotel, hotel's obviously expensive, but hotel and flight are the two things that you have kind of the least amount of control over once you officially book them. But the tours can really sneak up on you. So a lot of times you go to a new city, you want to go check out all the really cool sites. So you spend $100 for a tour that's going to last two hours maybe. And what people don't usually know is almost everywhere they have free walking tours. And so they're free walking tours, but you you still need to tip. It's not like just go walk around for free. So usually it's like 10 to 15 euros would be the acceptable tip. But that's a really good way to get a good overview of the entire city. So I recommend doing that on the first day. And then if there's certain things where you have to book a tour to go see, like the catacombs, you've got to book a tour to go down in there, then you know you can do that. But I wouldn't do that first. I would definitely do that free walking tour first to get a taste of the city and then decide which tours might be best if you even have to do a tour. So that's kind of the the thing that I think sneaks up on a lot of people too. Have you looked at things like, or do you do you recommend looking at things like city passes where it might, for a smaller fee, you might be able to combine several tours, tickets to several tours, several museums or other, you know, cultural things within a city? Yeah, totally. The city passes are really pretty, pretty good for the most part. A lot of times they have discounts for restaurants as well included in there. So it's not just the touristy stuff. They give you some other incentives. The hop on hop off tours. Have you guys done those before? Yeah, I love the hop on hop off <laughs> tours. Like they're so fun. My son and I do like the San Diego one. Ever. I mean, like it's, just, it's, like, it's so good. You know, but it's like you 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 know you pay your thirty bucks a person, right? And we go like first thing in the morning, and it drops you off at all the places you want to go, and you get on, you get off, you can get everywhere you want to go. It's great. And and then also we have used city pass as well to great effect, especially in Chicago. It was really great in Chicago when we used it. And um, I've used it in New York as well. I've never used it overseas though. And I know they have similar programs like that. Similar programs. Yep. For sure. Groupon's another good one too. If you're traveling within the States and you want to go do some cool things, definitely go check out Groupon because you can find some really great deals for restaurants and activities in that area that you're traveling to. So that tends to be a nice way to save a little extra cash as well. Are there any other budgeting differences that you think about when you're planning an overseas trip versus one staying within the United States? Yeah. So another budgeting difference uh, tends to be around the tipping. So in the States, we definitely tip. That's just very custom. But you've got another culture there too. So that's where doing a little bit of research is helpful. So sometimes you try to leave a tip in another country and they look at you kind of like, oh no, you overpaid here. And it takes a little while to get used to that too, because we're so accustomed to that. But that's another area that I think people people think that it's it's just something that you have to do and you don't. The other piece too is I think major differences when it comes to food. So a lot of like the food. So we're in Amsterdam. They've got these little like vending machines almost that are pretty cheap, like 150 to two euros. 
and it's like junk food right out of a vending machine but it's supposed to be actually pretty decent tasting and so i think it's like knowing what's unique to that area you can start to plan the food budget around that too so i know for lunch i'm going to be eating some really crappy junk food that's unique for them um so i think the food piece could be another thing that you've got to do some homework on for sure to see if you're overpaying for food a general rule of thumb when it comes to restaurants overseas if it has the picture of the food on the menu, probably don't go there. <laughs> so that's a tourist trap. It's a very like notorious, like, hey, let's draw you in by giving you a little bit of familiarity. So they're they're doing that intentionally. And I've also heard too that if the menu is in both the language that you're going to and in English, that's another good sign that you're probably going to overpay for your food. So I, I used to I like to keep those things in mind too whenever I'm traveling when it comes to food. Does it help having someone uh, like a local guide, either someone you know in a city or in a foreign city or someone who you find through some kind of guide service? Completely. I think that's where the free walking tour stuff comes in so handy. The people that give those tours live there and are just incredible people and super, super helpful. So they'll give you all kinds of really good tips about which restaurants, what areas of town to avoid that you're going to be overpaying in. So I think if you could do that on the first day of the trip, that's the best way to go. So then you know what to watch out for later. Yeah. And one of the things that I find is really helpful when traveling overseas is I like to learn how to say thank you. Yes. Um, in whatever language it is, even if you like know nothing else, I think uh, learning to say thank you and like even like hello or, or however they say hello is uh, very helpful and immediately, you know, it helps people feel good because at least you tried. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, and I did try to work on before we went to Europe this summer was I did try to work on my German a little bit. I used like the Duolingo app. You know, I, I am not very good at it at all, but I could tell people really appreciated like when I went to like do the thing and people like that. And a lot of them want to practice their English anyway, depending on where you're at. Not in France, but, <laughs> but in a lot of other places, they, they want to practice their English. And so they're thrilled if you if you know a few words of their language and then they're happy to practice their English with you. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if, if anybody just comes up to you, just assumes you know their language, it's a, it's a little off-putting for anybody. It's like, hey there, <laughs> like, that's kind of rude. So yeah, that, that is a good tip. Make sure you, you learn the basics of the, the lingo. Very smart. All right. So um, aside from your upcoming trip to Europe, what else do you have in store or do you not have anything because you only plan two to four weeks in advance? So one thing that I'm pretty stoked about is I work a full-time job still as well. So in May is my official cutting the ties to my job and going all in on my business. So it's finally to a point where I can do that. So I'm really excited about it. So one of the ways that I'm hoping to celebrate is going on a month-long backpacking trip through Thailand and Cambodia. So I think that's going to be one of the ways that I celebrate that. So that will be probably in June. And have you started budgeting for that already or planning? And how would that be different than a trip to Europe? Yes, totally planning right now for that piece. So I'm looking for a good deal on a flight. So what I'm looking for is flights to Cambodia, to Myanmar still, you can still find some decent deals there. So I'm just looking for really great deals on flights. So it's already sitting in my savings account and I'm just sitting until I find the right one. So you can do a lot of price tracking too. So I'm definitely price tracking right now. How do you do the price tracking? 
there's lots of different ways you can do it. You can do it through kayak or google.com slash flights. So Google flights will let you do it there as well. And so you just put in different airports so you can do multiple airport codes. So I'll do Boise, LA, Salt Lake, Portland, and then you just type in the destinations and then you just have Google send you a flight reminder if it goes down in price. It's pretty automated these days. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you have a podcast called The Money Nerds. How did you come up with that? And what is it exactly? Yeah, The Money Nerds is so much fun. So I get to sit down and interview people that have really cool or different money stories or interesting careers. And so how it came about was the financial blogger conference that we all go to, FinCon. I went there the first year and was talking to so many people with just amazing stories, people that had paid off a ton of debt so they could go see Elton John. Uh, people that have done all these really interesting things. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking, God, I wish I would have had that when I was paying off debt. Like that would have been really cool. The only thing we had at that time was the Dave Ramsey debt-free screams. And so that was fun, but that didn't really speak to me as much as these people's stories. And so once I started hearing them, I thought, wow, I've got to get these out into the world. So my readers of my blog at that time can hear this and just go through this too because it's super motivational. So that's where it stemmed from. So I got on the mic and started recording a ton of different interviews with people and put it out into the world to see if anybody cared. And it turns out people did. So it was really kind of (laughs) nice. So where can people find you? The podcast is uh, themoneynerds.com. And if you go to whitneyhanson.com, you'll literally find my blog, my podcast, everything's all housed there as well. All right. Fantastic. Any final tips that you might have for our budget travelers? Definitely, if you can't afford to travel overseas or even within country, don't be afraid of the road tripping, man. That's a good way to go. So pack up the car, be spontaneous, go check out really cool locations, uh, stock Instagram, hashtag whatever location you're going to go to. So I do hashtag Oregon or Washington, and then go find some cool hikes and go check it out. Don't be afraid to just take a a long weekend sometimes. It's a really good way to go. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Whitney. Thanks, guys. This was fun. If you would like to subscribe to adulting.tv, our audio podcast is on Apple Podcasts, as well as every other listening device imaginable. So go to adulting.tv slash iTunes for Apple Podcasts or adulting.tv for all the rest of the ways you can listen to the podcast. We've also got video. Those of you watching us video right now, you're quite aware that we have video. And if you have any suggestions for us, you can go to adulting.tv slash ask. Ask us a question and it'll give us some great ideas for upcoming videos, podcasts, and articles. So until next time, remember to behave like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.tv.